Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Bibles go to Malachi chapter 2. We've been venturing through the book of Malachi for the past three weeks, and it's interesting because, you know, we kind of have this idea of what worship is supposed to look like, and a lot of times it's on Sunday. Maybe your first time to church, and you're like, man, that was louder. That was weird. I didn't know any of those songs. Except that one, that one hymn that they sang, and Brother Jacob, we better start singing some more hymns like that, you know? Is that because I, I, I got one clap, all right? Only one. You're the minority. I'm just, just kidding. I love hymns. And I grew up on some hymns, and so I lo- we love throwing them in there. But um, that's kind of all we think worship is. And I show up to church, I lift my hands, and I sing, and I shout, or I, or I just meditate, or I pray, and that's, the music is there. And, man, sometimes I, sometimes I get a little too lost in the music that I've got to remind myself. It's about God because, man, there's some talented people up on this stage playing, and I'm like, oh, man, that was so good. I mean, God is so good, you know? But that's not all worship is. There's so much more to worship than singing and lifting our hands and praising. And There's more to that. It's, it's really a, a lifestyle, right? And that's what the book of Malachi is doing. It's kind of getting us to readjust and reevaluate our thinking. God is calling them back to what true, genuine lifestyle um, um, worship looks like. Because the people were, were a little bit confused on why God is upset at them. You know, and the, the quality of what we bring matters. And so last week, you know, God was like, hey, listen, here's what you're doing wrong. And so this week, God says, here's what you're going to get, okay? So look at verse 1, chapter 2. My version might be just a little bit different than what's on screen because it's the older NIV translation. But this is what it says. And now this admonition or this warning, priest, this is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you. And it says, I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Verse 3, because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices. In other words, he's going to throw you in there with all the dung of the animals. And you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in all of my name. Verse 6. True instruction was found in my mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. Two more verses, and I'm done. But you have turned from the way. And by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but you have shown partiality in matters of the law. And everybody said amen. You know, my dad already talked about the uh, something we have to really be on our knees and fasting and praying for today. And is that, that's, for, that's for the Miami Dolphins who, uh, who uh, have their second game. They won last week. Praise God. Come on, any Dolphins fans out here? Let's go. I know we got a bunch of Jersey and New York people. Get out of here. Oh, don't get out of here, but 
you know, this is Dolphins County down here. And um, maybe you don't like NFL. Maybe you, just, you just, maybe you just look forward to the Super Bowl. And not because you like NFL, but because the commercials are so funny. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Those commercials are hilarious. They put so much money and so much creativity into those commercials, especially the Doritos commercials. Those are like, those gotta be the greatest commercials. But until then, we have to suffer with just horrible commercials. And sometimes I'm watching TV and I'm like, this has gotta be the worst commercial I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the video quality, you know, the, the staging, the production, the audio, I'm just like, I saw, I saw this commercial and I've seen it before. It's a dating website for farmers. It's called, anybody know what it's called? Farmersonly.com. And it, it's like, the, you, you, it's like, you can barely see anything. The pix, it's so horribly, horribly pixelated. There's like a woman in a, in a cornfield and there's like a man, you know, leaning up against a bay hail and they're, they're, uh, their, their sell pitch is, you don't have to be lonely at farmersonly.com. And I'm like, that is the worst representation of farmers. By the way, I got farmers in my family. My mom's side is from Arkansas, so I know what farmers are supposed to look like. Man, they, they are great people. They are successful people. They are hardworking people. They got the coolest machinery I've ever seen. That commercial, farmersonly.com, is a horrible representation of farmers. That is not a, by the way, if you met on farmersonly.com, no judgment here, okay? May God bless your marriage. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's a horrible representation of farmers. Do you know that um, your friends, your coworkers, your family, probably even your neighborhood, don't want anything to do with God or, or the church because of how you have represented Christ? Man, they turn on the TV and they see your lifestyle and they say, man, that's horrible. I don't want anything to do with that. In fact, I don't even want to show up to church. I don't even want to read my Bible because if that's what, that's what Christ, Christians look like, then they, they turn off the TV. Do you know that scripture says that by the way we live, if we are a bad representation of Christ and we have a poor testimony, not only may we cause people to want nothing to do with the faith, but we could cause believers to sin and stumble. And I came to preach an encouraging message today, this morning, okay? Hope you're fired up. If you're taking notes, here's the title of this morning's message. We need to shape up so people will grow up, okay? Shape up so people, in fact, tell the person next to you, it is time to shape up, all right? Stop slacking, um, you know, listen. Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for um, all that you have shared with us. And God, we are so grateful for um, the God of the New Testament and we are also grateful for the God of the Old Testament. To be honest, God, you seem a little harsh in the Old Testament, but what I know is you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, Lord, as we dive into the scriptures, we dive into your word, would you challenge us, encourage us, and please, would you bring some conviction? Because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said in one loud voice. Amen, amen. amen. Malachi chapter 2, we're going to... We're going we're gonna to dive through this, and I want to give you a few things, but can I just remind you that, you know, this is an uneventful waiting period for the Israelites. Like, it seemed as if God had forgotten about them. You ever feel like God has forgotten about you at times? You know, there's no, no spiritual things happening. Um, there, there are no miracles happening. Um, the temple was complete, but there was no revival. It's as if we finally built the church, we open up the doors, people show up, but we don't see the presence and the power of God move. And so what begins to happen is, you know, the religious duties by the, by the priests, 
They, they, they were carried out with no enthusiasm. They weren't excited about doing what they were doing. It became more of a job. Generations were dying without receiving the promises and the blessings of God. People were starting to lose faith. And so, so Malachi here is kind of in the middle of the people and God, and he's, he's asking questions that the people are going to ask, and he's answering how God is going to answer. And so if you were here last week, we hit, hit uh, chapters 1, verses 6 through 14, and God was making it very clear that the people were disrespecting his name. They weren't honoring the name of God. And it was by what they were bringing to the, to the table, what they were bringing to the temple. Their, their offerings were defiled. The quality wasn't matching the standard that, that God said the quality needs to be. And, and this began to be a, a weak spot in the priest's life because this was something that not only they were, they were practicing, but it began to be something they were teaching. It was a vulnerable area that, that the enemy was holding onto them. And, and how many of you know that if Satan can get you to compromise in one area, and if that's unchecked, he's going to get you to compromise in all your areas. And so at some point, you just completely breathe corruption and compromise. And so we got to be careful, and this is why God is upset. This is why God is like, hey, first off, do you know that I, that I love you? And secondly, here's what you're doing. And they're like, well, what do you mean this is what we're doing? No, let me show you what you're doing. And now let me tell you the results of your disobedience. Let me tell you the consequences of your dishonoring. And so this is what chapters 2, verses 1 to 9, not only gives us some additional warnings, but it gives us the consequences of dishonoring God's name. And by the way, can I remind you of something? I think my dad has said this a handful of times. Um, this is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is one of the Ten Commandments. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Any use, nonverbal or verbal. Of course, we can, you know, take the Lord's name in vain verbally, but we can also do it with how we live, with how we conduct ourselves. We can dishonor God just by simply what we do. And so the book in Malachi in chapter 2, here God is like, where is my honor due? And because you have not honored me, here is, here's what's going to happen. Because you have not represented me, here is what's going to happen. It's time to shape up. So can we talk about representation just for a little bit? I want to give you three things this morning if you're taking down some notes. Here's the first. Don't disrespect what you represent. Don't disrespect what you represent. Some of you know you, you can't disrespect your family's name. If you do, there's going to be a lot of trouble. You can't disrespect the job you work at. You can't disrespect um, the people you hang out with. You don't want to disrespect the business that you have. You don't want to do anything that dishonors what you're associated with or what you're affiliated with, except when it comes to God. It seems as if we've been able to compromise and say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I mean, God is God. I can't, I can't disrespect this, but I can disrespect that. And again, sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. So we've got to be careful. Verse 1, let's, let's, let's start walking through this. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. It says, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Now, there's a lot to unpack here, but I want you to notice who God is speaking to again. The priests. This is who he started talking to in, in, in verse 6 of chapter 1. He's like, here's what you've done. And, and now I'm talking to you again, and he's saying, here's what you get. 
You were supposed to set the example. You were called to a higher standard. What you did, everybody else would do. So before we move on, this has got to, this, this, we got to fix this. And I want to say this to you because, you know, we may think, well, man, God is calling the priest to do all that. You know, I'm, I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. So, so I'm good. But can I remind you of a couple of scriptures? And, and this is going to help set the foundation. This is um, out of 1 Peter chapter 2. He's speaking to the believers and he's bringing hope amongst hardship. This is verse 4. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, remember Christ was the chief cornerstone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy what? Priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal what? priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, my dad, just, he just talked about it on stage. You know, the Old Testament priesthood, they were the ones in between you and the holy of holies. They were the ones to confess their sins before they conf- confess your sins. They were the ones on your behalf bringing your offerings and sacrifices to God. But church, when Jesus showed up, We don't have to do that anymore. Come on, when he died on the cross, becoming the the ultimate and perfect sacrifice, the veil was torn. We now had access to the holy of holies. We have direct access to God. We don't need to go through a high priest anymore, amen? Come on, how many are thankful that you don't got to come to me and confess your sins? Because that would be be, be horrible. I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want you to do that. But so now we have direct access to God. We don't have to go through any any traditional um, structure. We don't have to go through the, the high priest. Jesus Christ became the high priest. If you're a believer today, what this, this passage is saying is you are now the priesthood of believers. You are now, come on, somebody say, I am part of the priesthood. Before I came to VOC, before I was on, on staff, before I was part of the team, I did not have access to this building. In fact, if I needed to get in, I had to call somebody. But when I came on staff in VLC, when I became part of the team, I was given a key. Therefore, I didn't need to ask anybody to get into the building. I could get in myself because I had direct access. Amen? So, so this is what's happening. God is saying you don't need to go through any other, other, other way. You could just go through, through me the, the only way. So we're part of this. We're a chosen priesthood. In fact, write this down. I am a representation of Christ. And God reminds his people what this representation looks like. Look at verse 4. He said, you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence. And he revered me and stood all of my name. God takes them back to the beginning. Now, can I just pause there for a second? Because it seems to me that every time God is, is answering some of their questions, what does he do? He points them directly back to something he already did or something he already said. It's not like he's giving at this moment new revelation. You know, week one, when my dad said, they're, they're questioning, how have I not loved you or how have I loved you? He, he points them back to Esau and Jacob. Week two, when he said, you're, you're defiling my altar. And they said, how, how are we defiling your altar? He points them back to Leviticus chapter 22 and the requirements of what an offering and a sacrifice is supposed to look like. And now, and now he's like, um, this, this, is your, this is your consequence 
but because this is how it should have looked, this is how you should have represented, and, and here's how you're not, and he takes it back to the tribe of Levi. Which, by the way, can I tell you, Christian, if you're in this room and you don't know all about God, or you don't know all about the Bible, and you're struggling to answer, answer people's questions and answer their pain, that is okay. You don't have to have all the theology. You don't have to have all the doctrine. You just got to have the word of God. Point them back to the word of God. That is it. Come on, you think you have to know all the answers to people's problems? You're never going to know all the answers. You think you're going to know all the scriptures and all what God said in your head? You may never know all of that, but you have this. You have this. And so stop trying to make up something. Stop trying to share your own opinions. How about you say, you know what? To be honest, man, I just don't know. I just don't know the answer to your question about this Bible. But what I do know is that there is a Bible that has the answer to your question. So let's, let, let's look at, you know the greatest resource that I have next to the Bible? Not, not equivalent to the Bible, but next to the Bible is the internet. Come on, if you don't know anybody's answer or questions, go on the internet and, and search on the internet. There are so many resources. Now I'm not saying you need to find people's opinions or even commentaries. I'm just saying search for the scriptures. In fact, if you have a Bible, anybody have a real Bible in this place, a, a real one? You could go to the very back. There's a concordance if you didn't know this. They've got some maps that you probably don't really care about. But there are topics and there are scriptures to those topics everywhere in the Bible. So if you're here today and you're saying, I, just, I wish I knew some scripture on fear, open up the end of the, end of the Bible. I mean, I just, I just wish I knew some scripture on depression. Men, open up your Bible. Man, I got, I got a friend who's struggling with sexual immorality, and I don't know how to speak into their life. Don't. Just speak scripture into their life. Go to the back of the book and find some scripture on sexual immorality. It's right here. You don't need to be a scientist. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have, you know, your master's degree in seminary. Just, if you got a Bible, it's all you need. Now, just watch, because God will begin to grow you, and I pray that one day you do have those answers, and even if you don't have this in your hand, you could say, let me point you to a scripture. Let me point. Can I give you just two, two, uh, two things that I've always used and I still use to this day? One is a website. It's called openbible.info.topics or slash topics. Write that down. If you want any scripture to any topic, just go to that, openbible.info slash topics. That's it. That's what I use. I use that every single week. Here's another book that I've used for, for quite some time. It's a... Um, it's a book by a guy named John Cruis, and it's Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling. And I know this isn't really a counseling session, but um, and I use it because I'm like, man, I wish I had a scripture for that. I wish I had a scripture for that. I w Can I just tell you, I have fallen in love with the word of God. And, man, th through just being up here, through learning, through watching my dad, I just, I, I love, you know, referencing scripture with other scripture. Five years ago, I could have told you any story, any movie, any personal, you know, thing that happened to me. I could tie into scripture, but now I go to scripture for scripture. Come on, anybody want to go to scripture for scripture? Man, I just, I just, I, it's just so good. I, maybe I chased the rabbit trail a little bit too long. But God takes the priest back to what they were supposed to be representing. And that's, and that's the Levitical priesthood. We find this in Exodus. You don't need to flip there. It begins with Moses, by the way, and his brother Aaron. And Aaron became the priest, and all his descendants became the priest. But the term Levitical actually derived from one of the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi, one of Jacob's sons, one of the 12 tribes, one of the 12 sons, Levi. It was the tribe of Moses and the tribe of Aaron. And then when God would establish the Levitical priesthood, he would only use Levites. Because there, there was something different about them. In fact, in the book of Exodus, chapter 32, there's an example that, that is used. 
And for the sake of time, I'll just share what happens. In Exodus 32, Moses is on, is on Mount Sinai. You know, he's getting the, the commandments from God. He's, he's in the presence of God. But the people are like, Where, where's Moses? Um, he, he'd been gone for quite some time. Somebody's like, I think he's dead. And I, yeah, I think he is dead. But we need somebody to look to. We need something to look to. And so they go to his brother Aaron. And they're like, Aaron, can we make a statue? You know, we're not going to call it an idol. We'll just, we'll call it a golden calf. And, and we'll worship that because that, that'll, that'll represent, you know, who's leading us because Moses clearly isn't here. But God tells Moses what's going on down, down in the valley. And Moses is like, well, I got to get down there. And so he, he, he goes down and it's chaos. People are going crazy. Jewelry's flying everywhere. The people are worshiping this idol. And Moses says something. He says, whoever is for the Lord, come with me. And do you know that all of the people, there was only one group that came with him, and it was the Levites. In the middle of everybody else compromising, there was one group who said, we will follow the one true king. In the middle of your friends, in the middle of your, your coworkers who are saying things, man, sometimes we just need to stand up and say, I am for God. And, and if I'm going to side on any side, it's going to be God's side. And so God is like, I need you to listen up. This is who you're representing right here, people who weren't compromising, people who weren't indulging in idolatry. I need you to represent these people, the Levitical priesthood. This is why he said in verse 2 of Malachi chapter 2, if you do not listen, if you do not resolve to honor my name, I will send a curse on you. You take it for granted your position. You take it for granted your privilege as a believer. And what you're supposed to represent. In verse 8, he says, you've turned people from the way. And by your teaching have caused many to stumble. Verse 9 goes on to say, you've shown partiality in matters of the law. The word of God that you were supposed to keep so pure and so sacred and hold with, with reverence and respect, you've departed from it. You used to be all about it. But now you're disrespecting it. Stop disrespecting what you are supposed to be representing. How do you expect those who are watching you? Because people, people are watching you, whether you like it or not. They're watching how you speak. They're watching how you sing. They're watching how you worship. They're watching how you drive. They're watching how you date. They're watching how you raise kids. They are watching you. And you're either going to lead them closer to Christ or you're going to lead them further away from Christ. Let's talk about the consequences, if you're taking notes, the consequences of disrespect. This is, gonna be, this is a good part, okay? This will be encouraging to you. Uh, it says in verse 1 again, let's read. It says, this, the priest, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not honor my name, I will send a curse on you. I will curse your blessings. Now, that, now that they actually say that that word blessings can be, can, be, uh, can be also your descendants. In other words, there's a sentence for your descendants if you don't do this right. In fact, there's already been a sentence he says, I've, I've already, because, I, because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from the, your festival sacrifices. I'm a child. And, and you will be carried off with it. The penalty of dishonoring God's name, he says, I'm going to bring a curse on you. In fact, I've already cursed you. If you look in chapter 3, it says that their, their, their crops um, we're not there because there was a plague of pests and bugs and vines. He said, I've, I've, already, I've already cursed you. Now, we have to understand something because, you know, I had somebody ask me, um, man, I think there is a curse on my life, and that curse was brought on by God. But let's go to Deuteronomy real quick, Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
Because you have to understand something. Um, Moses, again, gives this incredible speech before he dies. Moses was called to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and into what? The promised land. But Moses couldn't lead the people into the promised land because he disobeyed God and there was a consequence. Isn't it funny that, you know, we read all the all these people who are dis- dishonoring God and there's all these consequences, but yet when we are faced with something, we're like, God would never do this to me. And it's like all, th- it's like all through scripture, when you didn't listen, there was a consequence, all right? So, so, uh, so Moses gets down and he's like, he's like uh, in, in, his, in his final words in Deuteronomy, he points back to the, to the oath they made after that whole Mount Sinai thing when the Levites, you know, cited by him. He's like, um, there's this oath you made, there's this covenant you made, and you got to stick to it. Before you get into the promised land, let me just remind you of all that God has done and all that God has required. And then he concludes, and this is in chapter 28, he concludes with saying, here are the blessings. And he's like, if you do these things, here are the blessings. And what are the blessings? He lines them out in the first part of chapter 28. He says, um, you're going to be blessed wherever you go. Your, your wombs are going to be blessed. You're going to have children. You're going to be prosperous. Your crops, your animals, your food, you're going to be blessed. And we're like, amen. But then Moses is like, but I also got to tell you what happens if you don't. And he says this in verse, in verse 15 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 28. He goes on to say, however, if you do not obey the Lord, your God, and do not carefully follow, somebody say follow, man, I got to you know, follow the leader. If you don't follow his commands and decrees, I am giving you today, all of these curses will come on you and overtake you. What curses? Well, he lists them out. He says, you're going to be cursed wherever you go. Your wombs are going to be cursed, your plants, your crops, your animals. And in fact, if you do have anything, those are going to be cursed as well. And you got to be asking yourself, man, that is, that is not who Jesus is, right? I'm like, well, then you don't know Jesus. Because, so, Pastor, why can't you just preach out of the New Testament? Oh, I'm going to get to the New Testament. I'm going to share a passage in Matthew that'll shake, that'll, that'll shake you up a little bit. But it's the same God. Come on. God is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he is the same tomorrow. God is the same God of the New Testament as he is the Old Testament. God would send curses, of, curses upon me. But then it just gets, gets confusing because then you fast forward to Psalm 103. And now you've got David. And clearly we know we just talked about David. David walked into some things. God was like, you didn't do this, and now you get that. In fact, David was given some options of what he could get. Could you imagine like, all right, I can either take your wife, I can either take your kids, or I can take all your money. The fact that some of you right now are contemplating which one you would choose, and if it's not your money, you have problems, okay? So, I mean, David, David has options. God, give me some options, right? At least let me weigh the, the pros and, and, and the cons. But David experienced the blessings of God, but he also experienced the curses of God. But this is what it says in Psalm 103, because he's confused at why not all of these promises, blessings, and curses are being fulfilled. He even quotes back to what Moses said and what Moses did. And he's like, God, why, why don't I receive what I should be receiving? And he, he talks about the mercy of God and the grace of God. But there's also something that we have to put into the equation, the sovereignty of God. Come on, whether it, it rains, pours, or shines, it doesn't matter if you are righteous or wicked, you're in, you're in there. Natural disasters aren't selective. 
So, so we have to put in the equation that perhaps God is just sovereign, but we also know that by how we behave might just determine how we end up. That, that's got to be true. Well, no, God's ordaining all my steps, and everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect. Every, I'm, I'm going to step into the faith, and man, no hardship, no pain. Well, clearly, you don't know about Paul. I mean, he was murdering Christians, and then God, God saved him, and yet he was still being put in prison. He's like, I didn't even get put in prison for killing Christians, and now I'm being put in prison for just talking to Christians. He's like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. But, but how we behave might just determine how we end up. What we do might just determine what we get. And we don't like to talk about that stuff. We don't like to be as honest about those things, nor do we want to admit that perhaps what I'm in now wasn't just because of a coincidence, but what I'm in now, what I'm going through now, might just be because of who I was and what I did. There are consequences to our sin or just our lack of not doing what is right. Because we may be honest and say, I don't, I don't sin all the time, but why am I, what am, what am I doing wrong, God? Well, let me take you back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. There's a priest by the name of, of Eli. And Eli's a good priest. In fact, Eli was given the honor to raise up Samuel. Samuel became a prophet. Who did Samuel appoint as king? David. So Eli was just privileged with doing some great things. But Eli was a failure at his home. Because how, how many of you know you could be great in your business, but you could fail at home, and that's all that matters. People can applaud you on stage, but when you get home and if your wife and kids don't like you, what's the point? You haven't succeeded in life. Eli was a great priest, especially with Solomon, but he couldn't raise his own kids. He was, he was doing a horrible job at managing his household. And that's one of the requirements of, 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 of being a priest and a, and a pastor and being in this office is you, you got to manage your, your household well. Now I get it. There may, there may be some strays, you know. It's like I've done everything I, I could and I prayed and I prayed. But just, shoo, as soon as they got 18, they were out of there. But the problem with Eli is, is Eli knew what was going on. And Eli didn't want to say anything. He's like, yeah, my kids are a little bit a little bit corrupt, but, you know, they'll learn. God will forgive them, and I'll just, I'll just keep doing what I was called to do. It says in verse 12 of chapter 2 that Eli's sons were wicked men, and they had no regard for the Lord. And God said, because of how you've managed your household, Eli, there is going to be a consequence. There will be death in your family. There's a scene in, in the scripture moments later where the Ark of the Covenant, which where the presence of God was, that Eli was responsible for, was taken. And on the same day, both of his sons, who were wicked, were killed. When Eli finds out that his kids were killed, he fell over on his chair, and he broke his neck, and he died. When Somebody laughed at that. That's horrible. <laughs> when his, uh, his, his, his daughter-in-law found out that, that her father-in-law just died and her husband just died, um, she, was, she was having a baby, and she just all of a sudden popped out a baby, and then she died. I mean, man, I, man God is good. Yeah, but God is, God is just. God is just. In fact, some of these things, if you go back in your life and say, man, I just suffered. 
But God was glorified. And I thank God that I suffered. Man, I thank God that I had nothing. I thank God that I was in prison in that moment. I thank God that I lost everything. Because if it wasn't for that moment, I wouldn't have fully depended on God. If it wasn't for that low moment, I wouldn't have saw Jesus because I was too blind by all my success. I was too blind by all the greatness. I was too blind by all the money that I had. But when God took it all, the only thing I could see was God. And it's those moments that shape us, right? It's those moments that change us. It's those moments that get fire in our bones. It's those moments. And so Eli certainly had some consequences. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 2, Verse 4, it says that God did not even spare his angels when they sinned. In fact, what did he do? He sent them to hell. This is the New Testament. Stop blaming the devil for all the situations that you are in today. It might just be that you put yourself in that situation. What are you talking about? God, I didn't do anything. Well, hey, that's a great start. God, what did I do? Well, let me tell you what, let me tell you what, I, what you did, okay? Let me just show you here. I've got a list of 100 things, you know? And now you're like, God, love keeps no record of wrongs, you know? <laughs> hey, listen, God didn't hold anything against you if you repent, right? God says he casts your sins as far as the east is from, from the west, and he does remember them no more. But this doesn't mean that he's forgetful. He just doesn't hold them against you. So certainly love holds no record of wrongs, but there are still consequences. There are still things we got to walk through. We put ourselves in some of this. It'll be the only way that we'll learn, though. It'll be the only way that we grow. Does all of this make you rethink a little bit about how you've been representing Christ? Man, I need to go home and I need to ask some people. I need to go home and ask my spouse. That is a dangerous question if you want the truth. Ask your kids. Man, how have I been representing Christ. Because you may think you have it all going on. You may think that you're, you're no, just because you're saved and you're in and man, you show up to church and it's like, woo. Do you know that you will be judged based on how you represented God? You're in heaven. You don't have to worry about that. But there is a second judgment for believers and it's going to be based on what you did for him. But God, I worshiped you on Sunday. But through Saturday, man, I was forgetting about you. Man, I tithed on Sunday, and I gave money, but you were gambling Monday through Saturday. You know, some of our greatest worshipers are our worst believers. Some of the people who are shouting, who are talking, who are yelling, who are like, oh, come on, Jesus, come on, Pastor, keep preaching, keep preaching. Yeah, you cussing every other day. You want nothing to do with the Bible. It's like, that's, that's hypocritical. God wouldn't call out Christians for being hypocritical. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus calls out people, the top of the top for being hypocritical. This is what he says in verse, in verse 27 of 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Be careful how you represent Christ. Be careful because there are consequences for poor representation, and there are certainly consequences for fake representation. Just because you got a bumper sticker on your car does not mean that you're a strong believer. Just because you got a Bible, your name on it. 
Just because you show up to church every Sunday and you've got the attendance of the year, you know, it just doesn't, make, doesn't mean you're, you're representing him well. This is easy, right? Man, this is easy. When I'm singing, my dad's singing, lifting his hands. I'm like, I'm lifting two hands. <laughs> when I hear Bernadine in the second row shouting, I'm like, I'm shouting. This is easy, right? This is great. Man. I just, maybe, you don't, maybe you're not a shouter, maybe, but this is nice. You just reflect and you read and you get your scripture, but some of you, this is the only scripture you get all week. So we got to think about every other day of the week, okay? Let me, let, let me, let me keep going because um, we have to be very careful. In fact, God says in verse 9 of Malachi 2, he says, um, I've caused you to be despised and humiliated before all people because you have not followed my ways, but you have shown partiality in matters of the law. Now, I want to say this about the curses. I didn't really get to conclude that. I thank God that Jesus does have the final say. I thank God that he offers grace. I thank God that he offers mercy. I thank God that he forgives us. He has a plan for us. And if you believe in him, you have eternity in life. Anybody thankful for that? Come on. I thank God that Jesus, that, that's, that's, that's what Jesus is. And that's what he came to do, to extend his love, but to also extend his just. So let's look and let's conclude with this because God is saying, you disrespect my name and I'll disrespect yours. Let me give you uh, the third one right here and then I'll close with this as the team shows up. The description of a perfect representation of God. So how, how do we do this, okay? Because clearly uh, you have offended me, Jacob, and uh, I'm not gonna come back here next week because I believe there, there is a curse now in my life, okay? And I don't wanna keep showing up. No, keep showing up because it's, it's gonna get good because let me tell you what you should do. We looked at what was happening, we looked at what should have been happening, and now we look at what's supposed to be happening, okay? So this is verse four, or verse six. The scripture says, uh, this is true um, representation of God, a perfect representation of what a messenger, of what a representation of God looks like. It says, true instruction was found in my mouth, and nothing false was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace. In fact, verse 5 says, there's a reverence they have for me. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from sin. For the lips of priests ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. So let's make this a little bit, let's make this practical. Because if we want to see those around us who are growing up in the faith, not departing from the faith, then we've got to be a better representation um, of, of what we represent. So, so there's a couple things I want to give you, five if you're taking down notes, just five things real quick, and then I'll pray. Number one is you got to fear God. You've got to fear God. There has got to be a reverence. There has got to be a respect. For the house of the Lord, for the, for, for, for the word of, things have to be kept sacred for the word of God. His name is supposed to be honored. You know, when my... When my little brother and I would disrespect my mom, which was very rare. In fact, my little brother would do it way more than I would. <laughs> He's not here, so I could say that. You know what my dad would do? This was always, we always thought this was a little strange. And we'd be talking back to, to my mom, which was a few times. My dad would stand up and he would say, that is my wife. Uh, okay. Man, I think some of us believers need to get some fire up on our bones. When somebody starts to dishonor the name of God, you stand up and you say, that is my God. You don't talk to him that way. You don't dishonor his name that way. 
I mean, I don't want to step out of that and confront somebody who's saying something like that. I just, it's not me. But you're talking about God. Where is the reverence? And so if I'm going to be a representation of God, I'm going to fear him. I'm going to respect him. But also, number two, I've got to speak the truth. I've got to speak true instructions was found in their mouth. Nothing false was found on their lips. Proverbs 12, 12, 22 says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Come on, anybody want God to delight in you? Come on, that's good. I want God to delight in me. Wow. But I've got to speak the truth. I've got to stop lying. I've got to start speaking life because people are watching. They're watching you. They're watching me. And some of them are following you. Some of them are looking to you for guidance. Some of you in your workspace are the only Bible in Jesus that they've ever seen. And that might draw them in. That's what we talk about here, lifestyle evangelism. Man, you should be working like Jesus at work for somebody to say, man, there is something different about you. What is it? Is it smell? Does it look? What is it? I just, I don't know what it is. Like the guy I shared months ago at the coffee shop, he's like, man, you got some good energy. And I was like, man, I got Jesus. That, that's who I got. I got Jesus. And so we got to be careful how we're representing him. We've got to be careful how we are speaking. I want to speak life and I want to speak truth. Of course, you got to know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But you got to know it before you can speak it. N number three, walk in peace and uprightness. You got to live well with others. And you got to start living with some integrity. Now, I know we're not supposed to be governed by people's thoughts and what they think about you, but I certainly want to have a good report, right? We should have a good report. We should, they should be able to say, hey, he's, he's a good father. He's, you know, she's a good mother. They, you know, they're doing their best. They're trying. They, they're good people. But I love for people to say that about me. That's a good, that's a good person. We, we've got to have somewhat of a good, a good report. So we've got to stop cheating when we're not supposed to be cheating. We've got to stop lying when we're not supposed to be lying. We've got to walk in peace. Stop starting arguments, starting fights. Man, I was with somebody the other day, and they're just like, ooh, I just want to fight somebody. And I'm like, dude, I know where you're going if you die today. You know, I just like, there's just so much anger in you. Chill, bro, chill, come on. Jesus came to give people life and life to their, it's fullest. So start walking with some uprightness, start walking with some peace. Fourth, because here's what we gotta do. We gotta turn people from sin. There are people around you shouting help. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. <laughs> I, I, need, I need a believer who knows the word of God to show up in my life and help me. I need a church. I'm looking for a church. Man, we find people all the time going on Google looking for a church, and they show up here, and they said, I, I think I found my home. They're, they're looking for it. They're looking for answers. They're looking for solutions. They don't want to keep dabbling in their sin. They know, it's, they know it's wrong. And so they're looking for somebody to help them and step into them and say, listen, I'm here to help you. We certainly don't want to cause people to sin. Because that's what, that's what God was upset about. He's like, you're causing people to stumble. Do you know, you know what Jesus said in Matthew 18? Here's another one that you're going to love. This is verse 6. If anybody causes one of these little ones, he's talking about children, 
those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large milestone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Be careful. Be careful about what you do. You just might be causing somebody to stumble and somebody to sin. And they may look back years from now and say, I'm in the deepest hole. And you were my example. I thought you were supposed to be a follower of Jesus. Does that scare you at all, that knowing one day people might die, go to hell, and they'll look up and they'll say, what? Jacob, you, you made it to heaven? Why didn't you tell me anything? Why didn't you call me out? You know, Scripture says that it's okay to call out your friends in sin if you do it in the right way. In fact, you might just save them and heal them. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed, it says in James. What, what are you doing? Who are you representing? Because I want to get to heaven one day. I know I'm going a little bit long, but I'm like, I want to get to heaven one day and, you know, and turn around and see all the people that I've, that I've been able to you know, meet and, and, and talk to. And I'm not saying it's about, about me, but God certainly uses people. I'd love, to, I'd love to look back and see people. I mean, I'd hate to look back and see nobody and look down and see all my friends and think, well, I could have, I could have done that. I could have helped him. I should have said something. And they're crying out saying, Jacob, why didn't you say anything? And so we've got to be living in such a way that we're not turning people from sin or we're not turning people towards sin, but turning people from sin. We've got to represent Christ. There has to be something different about you. Man, I don't know what it is about you, but me, I got a, I got a peace like a river. Come on, I got love like an ocean. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. Woo, come on, somebody, that's good. That's way more attractive than anything else you can do. Your success, your money, that doesn't attract me. Man, somebody who's got Jesus, I'm all about it. So let me give you the last one and I'll pray. Fight for knowledge. Fight for knowledge. Fight to preserve it. Just like our politicians fight for our rights and our freedoms. Just like most of our politicians, you know, fight for our rights and freedoms. Just like we want more of our politicians. <laughs> We're going to go down that road. We must fight to preserve the written words of God. Don't let people contaminate it. Don't let people restrict the power and the authority that's in it. Not today, Satan. Come on, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to get some fire in my bones. Not today. I'm not going to let you compromise this word of God. I'm not going to let you say that it doesn't have any authority. I'm not going to let you say it doesn't have any power. Oh, it does. It does, and you're going to see it. You're going to see it. And so I hope today that as you're listening that, man, it's very clear that there are, there are consequences. But it's very clear how we're supposed to live. Man, I love that God isn't like, um, yeah, just follow me. And that's like, that's it? Well, that's what he said to the disciples. But then there was so much more that they learned. And so maybe today it's just God is saying, I just need you to follow me. I'm not going to give you all the, all the information because if I gave you all the information, then you wouldn't show up. So let me just, 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 just follow me. If, if, if God is tugging at your heart, just open up, be obedient, receive him and step into that. But believer, you're representing a priesthood. And if you're not representing it well, then here are the consequences. Remember Moses in Deuteronomy, he said, here are the blessings, here are the consequences. Here's what you get if you do it, here's what you get if you don't. It reminds me of my kids at the dinner table. I tell my two oldest sons, I'm like, listen, if you eat all your food, you can watch TV with daddy. But if you don't, you're brushing your teeth and you're going to bed. I'm like, all of a sudden, you're going to bed. You know, it's like, eat your food and you could have this. Don't eat your food. 
And I, my mom's like, stop making your kids eat all their food. I paid for that. My wife cooked that. They better eat all of that, right? You know, it's like, I'm learning, man. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I ain't, God ain't finished with me yet. But that's what it's like. It's like little kids. Hey, here's what you get. You do good, here's what you get. You do bad, here are the consequences. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you that you are so gracious and so merciful. And God, I think we could all count. Um, we, we don't have enough hands or fingers to count how merciful you've been to us. God, you have been so good. When I was broken, when I was beat, when I was in the lowest pit of my life, God, it seemed like you were more present than ever. And it was only by the grace of God, only by the mercy of God that you pulled me out. And so I thank you for saving me. I thank you for loving me. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the power and the authority that is now within me because of you, God. I thank you for that. Father, I worship you for that. That is something to shout about. That is something to get riled up about. That God, you are good. And it didn't matter how far away I was from you, it was only one step back to you. But God, now that I'm a believer, church, now that we are a believer, then there are some things we have to do. You think you got a free pass? No, you gotta start. There's gotta be some work now. There's gotta be some obedience now. But that's the best part. And can I just change your language real quick? Because so many people say, this is what I have to do because God says it. No, can I say this? And you've heard it say me plenty of times. You get to do it. You get to be obedient. You get to honor God. You get to respect God. You get to have a reverence for God. You get to show up to church. You get to be faithful. There are blessings on the other side. And if you don't see them now, you're going to see them in heaven. But there are blessings. Come on, how many of you are ready for the blessings of God? Come on, how many of you want the blessings of God right now? So God, would you shake up, Lord, shake up our, our traditions, shake up, Lord, the, the things of the all, shake up some of that, God, and would you give us a fresh perspective? Give us, give us a, a fresh perspective, God. Give us a fresh outpouring of your spirit in this place, Lord, so that we could, we could follow you in greater capacities. We could follow you in greater capacities, but we can be a better representation of you. Shape us up, Father, so people next to us will grow. People who are, who are spiritual babies will grow. People who are mature in the faith will continue to grow and finish well. And so, Father, we worship you. And, and if, this is, if this is you and you're in this room under the sound of my voice and you don't know who God is, hey, would you pray this prayer and would you invite him into your life? Would you repeat after me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, come on, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. Cleanse me. Help me follow you. From this day on, you are my father, and I am your child. In Jesus' name, come on, can we put our hands together for all those who prayed that prayer? Hey, can we just spend a few moments worshiping him? And if you gotta get some things off your chest, I'm gonna invite you to come to the front. We got some prayer partners, we'll pray for you. But if you can, if you're not, if you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands all across this room and say, thank you, God. Come on, thank you, God. Lord, I lay it down. I lay my burdens down. God, I lay my issues down. God, you are good. You are good. You are gracious, Father. You are gracious, Jesus. Come on, can we worship him in this place? Yeah. Father, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. 
We love you and God bless.